Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about service now. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything service now. This podcast is not affiliated with service now. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode. All right, welcome back. This is Jason Gibson with Ever Sharp. Um, uh, once again, we have Brent Peters and Randy Haas on the phone. Say hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> we are uh, first. We need to. We're going to be covering a couple of things uh, a little bit different. Um, first thing we're going to talk about is a couple things that we've been working on um this uh one of the things that i've been working on that i feel is the, the most fun is i've been working on a couple of integrations um one with foreman which is uh uh basically uh for what i understand the zabbix front end um and uh solar winds and so those are those are a couple of uh uh, integrations that I've been working on that we just got completed that, that were a lot of fun to build. Uh, and now I'm kind of doing some more of the, the keep lights on kind of things right now. Uh, catalog item style stuff and knowledge and, and uh, change management. Uh, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, Brent, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been working on a few things. Uh, deploying change management for one of our clients. That's kind of been a fun fun experience. Uh, yeah. We have uh, um, been working on a, a, a little custom app to do um, certifications. Uh, the company that that's for, they reimburse people for certain certifications. So they would log into the portal, put in their certification, the dates, all this stuff, a copy of it or attach a copy, and then they can get reimbursed for it and get a bonus depending on which ones it is. So working on that kind of stuff, it's pretty cool being able to do that kind of thing. So yeah, those are, those are a lot of fun. I love the custom applications. for sure. And then um, been, been doing a interface with a, a, a power. No, not power BI. Is it power BI? Yeah. Uh, to do dashboards and stuff outside of service. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's been pretty fun. That's actually a pretty highly desired thing that I I am shocked that ServiceNow doesn't have a better uh, integration with it is the Power BI stuff. Well, it is pretty sought do, after. They do have a, a integration, but it's not as robust as you would think it would be. But I guess right, yeah, kind of pushing people to use performance analytics. So. Yeah. Well, and it's it's beautiful. The one service now has it's a it's a, it's a beautiful Power BI dashboard. You got everything on it. It's really great. Except all it does is incident. So yep. it, you know, and most organizations are wanting to they're using Power BI or wanting to bring in requests, changes, everything, and kind of correlate the whole everything together to show workloads and stuff. So yep, uh, the one I'm currently you know, doing these free companies. Right. The one I'm currently doing, they wanted change management and um, agile. So we can see that, those agile stories and stuff. So, yeah, very cool. Yep. Very cool. Yep. 
Awesome. Well, today we're actually going to be talking about IT business management, ITBM. ITBM is a is is a really great product. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Brent a little bit here to kind of go over what 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 it includes, and uh, kind of start talking about what uh, what the benefits are. Okay. Um, the, from what I can understand, because you know, ServiceNow's licensing is not always the easiest to understand. But uh, there are uh, two packages that you out of the box you can get two packages, which is like a, a standard package, and that comes with performance analytics, demand management, resource management, and project and portfolio management. Or you can get the professional that has uh, performance analytics, demand resource, project, and portfolio, uh, innovation, scale, uh, scaled agile framework, agile development, and testing management. Um, then also in ITVM is application portfolio management, but that is licensed separately to everything else. So you, right. have, you have to be licensed for that separately. So that's, that's kind of a, a brief overview of all that. Um, but we can go a little bit more detail from there. Um, yeah, so I will say that the first thing that jumps out of me is performance analytics is not really, it is a part of this, but it's not, it's, it's the platform part, but it comes with ITBM. Right. Uh, well, it comes, the part of performance analytics, that's the thing is when you look at like ITSM, I, ITBM and so on down, uh, it, they all come with performance analytics. What it really is, is they come with por- por- performance analytics plugins that have pre-made uh, KPIs and dashboards and metrics for the things in that module. So uh, if you have ITBM, you can get the plugins for demand or resource or project management, that kind of stuff. So that's why performance analytics happens to be on all of them. It looks like you still have to be, if you want to make your own dashboards and that kind of stuff, you have to be, have to get the performance analytics license separately. So they've all got pieces that are built on it, but you're right. Yep. And they're out of the box dashboards and, you know, you can modify them if you have the right license. So, cool, yep. awesome, awesome. Okay, so I think I want to. It, it's interesting because there's they've got it kind of split up quite a bit. I wanted to look at two things that kind of go together. So, demand and idea and demand management. Now, the, the idea is called something else now, right? Yeah, idea now is called innovation management. Uh, and they've done a little bit more with it. It, it okay. appears so. So and they kind of go together, right? So demand management um, and idea. So how it structures from that first, you know, end user or whatever the the criteria is from that idea, all the way down. How does that all connect? Okay. Usually, if you if you do out of the box and suggested, or even if you modify, or I mean not modify, customize it. Uh, usually, it goes from idea or innovation. So you you put in an innovation uh, idea, and so it goes through that whole system. And then there's you can do all kinds of things from an idea. You can submit that as a demand, or you can say, okay, well, this is an idea that needs to go through our agile framework, that kind of stuff. So you have an idea, the idea is 
going to show up either on the portal or you can make your own portal, whatever. It's where your customer says, hey, we think we need to have something that uh, will make our manufacturing of this good a lot faster. And that might be an application installed or some kind of new hardware. So they put that in. So it goes from an idea, it doesn't have to automatically go to demand. It can go from an idea to an enhancement, right? Right, right. Innovation, uh, the way they have it actually right now is, and it used to be that it would, it could go from an idea to uh, um, an enhancement or a demand. Now it can go from an enhancement to, or a demand or a feature or an epic or a story, which are all in your agile. So the idea or innovation is where you have your ideas that your customer can put in. And then from there, IT decides what path it needs to go, depending on what path that IT department's using. Now, if I remember right, one of the powerful things about about running it through that pipeline is you can do kind of like a change management risk assessment, but it's more like yes. a... Uh, you know, what's the impact, how, how much ROI is it going to have versus how hard it's going to be right. um, versus how much resources it's going to use and stuff like that. So you can kind of get a, get a quick picture of, you know, these five things are low hanging fruit that have high impact. So we ought to move on them quick. Yep. Yep. Usually in, in, a, in the innovation step, it is a high, high level uh, assessment. Okay. Is this something the company could do? Do we already have software or hardware that will do this for them? Then we can do it that way. But if it's new things, then you can push it on to like demand management and do the real in focus risk management, cost, uh, ROI, cost benefits, that kind of stuff. Well, they have some really nice visualizations in demand management. That's one of yes. the things that I like yep. about demand so much. Uh, you can really, if you set it up right, you can you can open up the, the visualizations and say, okay, so in my top right quadrant, these are the ones I want to do, right? So right. these yeah. are the, the highest impact with the lowest cost of money. <laughs> yes. yeah. And you get kind of a heat, uh, they call it something else, but off the top of my head, I can't remember. But it's kind of like a heat map. Yeah, it, 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 it is a heat map. Yeah, yeah. It, they, they slightly call it something else, and I can't remember. But it, it's just a heat map that says, you know, the bigger the circle, the more of a, uh, a cost saving or whatever, you, however you set it up. But, uh, yeah, innovation is where all that starts. I think that, right. that that's kind of a – that initial pipeline, though, that is uh, kind of a crucial hidden gem that a lot of people um, – May maybe overlook the importance of having. I know we went through um, with a customer a, a application rationalization project, and um, you know we kept coming up on all these applications that uh, had ninety percent crossover and just like a ten percent differentiation. And uh, so going through that, we're able to save a lot of money by saying, okay, we don't need this ten percent, or we can modify this ten percent you know, from doing this and, and get rid of paying maintenance on 10 of these things. And, right. um, you yep. know, I see a lot of companies, especially companies that are in the growing stage where they're kind of going from uh, being a mid-sized company to being a really uh, large enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, forego this step. Uh, and then they end up just accumulating technical debt that they're going to have to take care of at some point in the future. And uh, this is a real important place where you can say, if you've got your uh, application, you know, 
list or portfolio set up and you've got your capabilities to find um, just to screen that out and say, we've already got this um, is an overlooked huge saver of money. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And you can also take your innovation to go along with that and you can kind of um, not out of the box. It doesn't do this, but if you integrate it a little bit with your application portfolio management, which is also part of this, but you have to buy separate, uh, you, you could, there's all your applications in your portfolio, who supports them, what, what they do, how many licenses, all that is in there. And you can then say, Hey, you know, your idea is great, but we have this that already does it. And we can just start kind of adding you in there, that kind of stuff, you know, so you can see the overall picture. But well, innovation app- is where the customer starts usually. Yeah, an application portfolio management it, in combination of service mapping is actually really pretty cool. Yes. Um, but yeah, so let's let's talk about we've got the in the innovation management. So we've got the idea, we got the demand. Um, now it's going to move into what? It's going to move into a project, right? Is it, it or well, yeah, it um, agile? So it's kind of either, right? Right. And you can decide pretty much anywhere in the path, which way you want it to go. But usually it goes to innovation and then it goes to demand and then demand goes to project. Demand is where Randy was talking about where you get your cost of cost benefit, where you do your risk analysis, where you get your uh, stakeholders to do their review of the, the demand, the, all your assessments. That's also where you can start doing your resource management stuff. This demand is going to require this many hours from these resources or these group of resources and all. So you do that all in your demand. If you get to demand, you oh, no, this is not going to move on to a project. You can move it to an enhancement or uh, agile. Well, there. and often if it's if they, they consider it's not a project, if it's under 40 hours or under 80 hours or something. Well, that, whatever defines your project, yes. Yeah, whatever defines it. And, and, and it's, it's funny to me because I've heard people say, uh, well, it's not, it, it, you know, we have this deal where it's not a project if it's under 80 hours, but they have they have an 80-hour project every month. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, some places and, also know, for the same thing, and you know. <laughs> some places do it by cost. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, doing an upgrade for a large um, um, medical system, EMR, that could cost you uh, as much as, putting in a uh, Microsoft project server or whatever. So, I mean, right. you can't say, I mean, there's so many variables there. It's just however your company defines a project. If it's yeah. something new, maybe you're going to go through a project. But so your demand management also has all that, and that's where everybody buys off on it. And then you can submit it onto a project. So that's where you can move on to your project. Well, and that's one thing I love about project and resource management, Right. It's what resources do I have? You know, I have four developers. How do I, you know, so it's right. How do I make sure that I have the resources to complete this project? I love the fact that, that, that it's all in one tool. It's all together. You're not going into multiple tools and trying to pull data from here, from there. It's all here. And that's one of my favorite things about it. Um, I've seen uh, project management go put in, without resource management. I've seen it with resource management. It works either way. Uh, you're just not going to be able to do your resource management if you don't 
don't have it in there. But right. um, you can do that. They've made great strides with project management. Uh, when they first put it out, it was project management. You got a Gantt chart. You couldn't see much. You couldn't do much from there. It's just gotten much better and better. Uh, the problems that I've seen are project managers that are so used to Microsoft project that they really don't want to use another tool. You get a lot of resistance yeah, there for that. There's but, always resistance from people who are stuck in the old way of doing things. I mean, it's yes. the whole adage. I don't want to do it that way because we've always done it this way. There's, you know, it's just not an excuse in my, my book. It's just, I've just, it, it, I know, but I just see a lot of that with project managers. Um, but this last place that I put project management in, we got that all resistance and everything. And then a year later, we we started moving everything over to scaled agile framework and they're like, Oh, but we are so used to this project. Now we have to do something else. So, you know, they, it's just getting them to use it the first couple of times and understanding, Oh, well I can do the exact same thing that I was doing in project uh, Microsoft project. I can do it in here and more because of resource management and that kind of stuff. Now, do, you resource, do you think it's, reasonably priced for what you get. I mean, I know that you've worked, you, you had a little bit of pricing those conversations, but, and I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, between the difference between Microsoft project and ServiceNow's project, is it, you know, they were moving from project server, Microsoft project server over to project management and service. Now they were resistant, but of course, once they moved over, they saw the benefit that they were connected to everything else in the ticket in the system ticket wise to the resources. They could look at their queues and look at their pro project resource hours and go, Oh wow, you're working more than 60 hours a week. This is not good. Um, that was a good benefit. So the cost really, they, they kind of liked that. Um, so they, they were able to save money by doing that kind of stuff. So, right. and, and turn it ended up saving them money in the long run uh yes yep yep that's very good so um the one thing though is on resource management that we found is a person can only be how do i want to put this a a a technician that's going to be working on a project can only get the resource management uh, roles from one group. So they can only be in one assignment group that says this is a project resource group. Because if they're put in that group and they're put in a server group and a Windows group, they get counted twice as a resource. Does that make sense? So that's that's a little thing when you when you start doing resource management. That's just a little thing you keep in mind is you can't double or triple your resources that way because those people can't do triple work. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though well, the, what the manager said. Even though the business exactly. thinks you can. <laughs> so, <laughs> but whenever you start doing it, you're uh, you're reporting for uh, um, future reporting of hours you're showing that you have the capability capacity that's it uh you show that your capacity is uh triple what it should be because you have double p you have double and triple people out there so 
that's where you got to be careful about that. So yeah. that's just a big thing I've run into before. Right. Well, and that makes sense. It, it is, it, it is that. Um, yep. So let's, let's move into the test management a little bit. Can you tell me how that kind of fits inside the, inside the agile framework or, and how does the agile framework, you know, exactly work? Okay. Um, all right. So there are, okay. PPM in ServiceNow has one PPM. So you have project most portfolio. Usually when you put that in, you do innovation, you do demand. So that's all one workflow. Uh, agile, however, um, there are several different ways to do agile. You have agile development. So that's usually from uh, a software kind of side. So it's more software development or hardware development kind of development side. And then you have scaled agile framework. And scaled agile framework is bigger. It can be all kinds of things. Uh, it could every part of IT could encompass some part of scaled agile. And then test man management is how you're in your agile, either one, either agile framework that is in ServiceNow. There's a bunch more outside of ServiceNow, but in either one of those modules, you can do test management, which will allow you to um, have the same defined testing process workflow each time that team does something or each time that application needs to be tested or hardware or whatever. So it just right. manages your testing and you can have test scripts that way. You can say each time I go to deploy something for service now and update set, it's always going to have these groups test it and it will assign a test management or a test ticket to them and they'll go and do the testing and, once everybody buys off, then I can go do the update set and service now in production, that kind of stuff. Right. With change management, of course. Of course. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Yep. Oh. Test management is pretty cool. Uh, you just yeah. have to do a lot of management of that. Yeah. So that, that is something that really is, is important is to really get the things set up in that way. Yeah. Um, it will save you a lot of time if you commit the time to do it. That, right. That's the thing with some of these things, like, uh, you know, any kind of, and whether it's ATS or, or any of that, it, you have to take time, set it up, get it working, and it may take you a significant amount of time to do that. But once it's done, it makes it so much easier to manage on a day-to-day. -day. Yep. Now, the thing about uh, test management is anytime you get a new system, you have to go in and do those new test plans. So there has to be someone that can go in and do that. It might not always be the admin that does that. It'd be best if it wasn't the admin. That way the admin can focus on <laughs> service now. But right. other people would go in and build the test cases and all that kind of stuff and put in there. And then when you do an upgrade, hey, this test is no longer needed. They have to do that kind of maintenance and stuff. So it does take a lot of time up front to get everything set up, and then there's some maintenance that has to just take care, be take care, care of each time. Right. So test management, yes, it is part of Agile, 
but if you're doing project management, then it needs to be a um, project task. Hey, somebody needs to make sure that they go and set up all your test management stuff too. Right. Exactly. My suggestion. Exactly. Yeah. So we've covered um, the Agile framework. Uh, let's talk about Agile development for a second. Okay. Agile development. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I, I'm laughing. Okay. It's a great thing, but go ahead. I, I, I just let you talk about it a little bit. All right. Agile is more for a quick development kind of thing. So uh, you're doing your... Uh, we want to develop this. Here's the defects. Here's the enhancements. Here's our issues that we're going to fix. Uh, you usually do a, a scrum kind of thing that two week sprints, three week sprints, whatever you do, you just have a, a block of stories that you're going to be working on. And I want to keep saying, so I've been working a lot in scaled. So I keep wanting to say, um, uh, features, that kind of stuff, but it's not. Um, they call them uh, products and releases and themes. Right. So you got your you stories. Have, and you, have a, you got the crumb boards and you've got your visual task yeah. boards that are basically. Yeah. So you have all that and you do your daily standups and you, here's what I'm working on, or here's what I worked on yesterday. Here's what I'm working on today. Here's my blockers. Blockers being, um, I can't finish this ticket because something is keeping me from it. Um, so to do agile, you usually have to have a um, agile expert or a scrum master that understands how to do the agile and they take care of a lot of that stuff. Um, but so, it usually not a whole IT department. It is a few departments or a few areas that do Agile, and it's for quick development, quick turnaround. Here are my releases. This is released and going to be released in four weeks. We got two sprints to get it done. Let's do it. Yeah. And you don't yeah. look forward. You look at this. You don't look like, you know, okay, a month from now we need to do this. You look at the current sprint, and that's it. I'm working on this stuff. Yeah, and, and talking talking about Agile just a little bit, it's you know Agile's uh, it, it's a guideline. It's it is a, a thought process or a philosophy. It's it is it is not. Um, we call it an Agile tool, but every there you hear that a lot, so it loses a lot of meaning. All this is is something that helps you move quickly. If you hear the word Agile, it's all it is, and. The, there are some basic stuff like Scrum that you know comes obviously from from actually a, a rugby term of when they get together and you know um, yeah. I think of it like a football term like it's a huddle but, um, but they, so they call it Scrum so that's the idea is it's a quick meeting do not get wrapped up it's not a it is it is not a status update too often oh no do these meetings become or long meetings every day because where are you at on this project? That's what they want, you know, but that is not what these are for. No, no, no. These are for what are your roadblocks and is there anything keeping you from getting this job done? And with, that's it. And if the answer is no, move on. Right. The meeting. Yep. And within Agile, you have what are called ceremonies. And there are all kinds of ceremonies that are, take place. So you have your daily stand-ups or a ceremony, but those are – 
five to 10 to 15 minutes. They're real quick. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm not, what, here's what I worked on yesterday. Here's what I worked on. I'm going to work on today. And here's my blockers. And most of the time you don't even have blockers. It's just, here's my, my two things. And then you move on and it's real quick and, and all, uh, I've had scrum master before that had a eraser, like a chalk chalkboard eraser because there were people on the team that wouldn't keep it to that. And he'd say, whoever's holding that talks and you pass it on. So there's different <laughs> ways of scrum masters. They're like just, I'm back in school. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But people always want to interject. Well, if you're not holding it, you don't get to interject. That's it. Um, that's it. But every end of every sprint and beginning of the next sprint, there's another snare, uh, uh, ceremony that's okay. What did we not do? What do we need to move on to the next sprint? You know, there's the full status kind of thing. Um, you also have, um, um, PIs where you have your PI planning. Here's what we're going to do through this whole PI, which is a program increment. That's more scaled than agile. Um, I think they call them product. No, they call them, um, themes, that kind of stuff. But they, what it is, is there are different ceremonies where some of them are more detailed, but your daily standups aren't is where I was getting to. Sorry. Kind of went off on that one. Um, so uh, some of the other things is um, the team structures are different between a safe and a scrum. So we'll start with uh, the agile scrum stuff is usually like a product owner, a development team, and a scrum master. And right. then you have uh, your team dependencies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, safe, there's a lot more to it. So Yeah, so agile, the agile stuff is, is very simple. It's very quick, but it's not made for large, large projects. It's made it, well. It is. And it's it, not. It, is, it is. It is. It is. If you're talking about, but it's it's made for making quick movements in a short period of time, and then that cum, culminating into a large project. Well, let's put, let's let's. I'll it's simplify for, that. It's a little for bit. breaking down large projects into yes. bite-sized chunks. Yep. Right. So yeah. it is more of a agile project management kind of way it's to manage the project in a quicker in small uh no not small short quick sprints um where safe is more of a bigger framework that we can talk about in a little bit but agile is just a quick let's get these projects broken down and do kind of thing yeah, yeah exactly I, I mean one of the I think keys of Agile is, is the strict two-week sprint or, the, or whatever you define. I mean, you can right. define it, but traditionally it's two weeks, uh, which is, helps limit scope creep quite a bit because you, you set the mindset of if this comes up, it's out of scope creep, we put it in the parking lot and then reevaluate it when we're done with this work. And yes. if it's still important in two weeks, then maybe we need to put it on the thing. It'll be in the, yep. Right. That's and, right. Whereas a lot of times people run by and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to stop, drop everything. We got to do this. And then you stop, drop everything, do it, derail your other project. And then by the time you're done with it, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that crisis totally passed. And um, we didn't actually need that. So uh, why aren't you done with the other stuff? 
And the, the nice thing about <laughs> that I like about agile and doing sprints is within that two week period, usually um, you've built it, you've tested it and you're ready to pull it, deploy it to prod. Yeah. And whatever that is, well, it's, I know this isn't something, but we, we live in a society of instant gratification. Yeah. And, and I hate to say this, but it gives a little bit of that instant gratification because you get two weeks, you get a, you get a portion done, you have a success, it goes to production or it goes in, into the project. Everything is successful, right? And you're done. And then you start something else. So there is well, part of that that's really what as as on the worker bee side, I can tell you, I've done waterfall projects, and they they just get stretched on forever because oh well wait you want to do what let's meet meet on that, let's have another yeah. meeting let's have another meeting, on agile, you're focused, you got two weeks to get this done let's get it done we've made the decisions if something new comes up, uh, either. You make the decision, your scrum master does, or you block it and somebody up above has to make the decision and they know, hey, wait, he's only got another week to get this done, so I better make this decision. So it kind of puts people on a timeline and it helps the the worker bees get things done quicker because you know I got to get this done. Yeah. And it makes people make decisions. So that's always nice. That is nice, Actually, a, a lot, a lot nicer than you people even imagine. Yeah. Um, I will say though, the, the one thing about um, you know agile as a whole, it, it is um, it, it is a it is a solid management tool to use to push things forward. But you still have to have a larger vision. It's you still have to have that. The, the idea of the direction you are going and the project uh, lined out, you can't say, I'm going to do these two, these two things in this two weeks. Well, and I don't know what I'm going to do the next two weeks, but I'm going to do these 10 things this two weeks. No, you have to have it lined out and broken down into pieces. Right. Well, that's where your product owner and your scrum master come in because the yeah. people working are focusing on those, those two week sprints. This two yeah. weeks, I'm supposed to be working on this. The scrum master and the product owner are supposed to be working on the f- next two weeks or the well, two weeks. You've got to imagine most of the time managers are going to be, and I don't know, well, and I, this shouldn't be the case, but often managers are the people that are, are, are acting as a scrum manager. In some cases. Um, now, once you go into scaled agile, that's uh, a lot different. But Agile, yeah, sometimes they are. But a lot of times they take project managers and say, okay, you're the scrum master. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I, actually, I have a question actually about that. Tell me what the difference is between um, Agile and Safe. Okay. So Agile is just a, a – <laughs> taking a project and making it smaller and, and the smaller chunks and getting it done. Scaled Agile framework is more of a, it's a bigger process. So it includes, Agile usually is, here's the project we're working on, do it. Uh, Safe or Scaled Agile, they call it Safe, um, is more, okay, they involve the business a lot more. And the business tells us tells you what needs to be done. And they break it out in certain areas. And then they put it into your, epics, features, stories, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just a, a bigger uh, 
process because it involves it can involve everything from uh, development to deployment to people. You could even do your agile framework with onboarding and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's a, a, a just a, a new way of doing things. Um, where, okay. One example is uh, agile. You usually have a product owner, scrum master and development team on safe. You have a, um, you have your business owner, you have a product manager, most of the time, you have a product owner, you have a solutions architect, you have a tribe, you have team members that are in that tribe, um, you have your sprints, you have your program increment, I called it product increment earlier, you have a program increment, that is a, a series of six sprints is a program increment. And then every six sprints, you go on and start another program. And so each one of those has different ceremonies, different reporting, that kind of stuff. So it just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> Safe does. Sure. Sure, yeah. Wow. But it, it seems pretty effective. What do you think? Um, my, my team at my full-time job just switched to this. The whole IT department moved to scaled agile. That's why I... I know so much of it right now is because I just had to deploy it all. <laughs> right, it is, yeah. We are on our fifth sprint. Uh, so 10 weeks in and it has made things a lot more efficient. And even the groups that, you know, used to take forever to do things are actually getting things done a lot quicker. So, um, but along with that whole switch, we switched our management style. We switched everything. So, it kind of is a, a new lifestyle. So, right. yeah. All right. So, so far, I like it. Oh, yeah. I hey. forgot another thing. You have release trains. So, uh, you could say, like, um, manufacturing is one release train. IT support is a release train. So, you divide those trains up. Sorry. Uh, I forgot okay. that part in there. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break, uh, talk to our sponsor for a minute. Um, so if you'll just hang on, we'll be back uh, to talk a little bit more about it and uh, take their, uh, and do some uh, questions and answers. we we'll receive some questions. Um, give us uh, a minute, and we'll be uh, right back. All right, welcome back. Uh, again, this is Jason, Randy, and Brent. Uh, we're actually talking about IT business management. Um, we're finishing up a little bit of conversation about it here, and then we're going to do some, some questions and answers. Um, now, we talked about the Agile framework. We've talked about SAFE. Um, let's talk, talk about application uh, portfolio management. And, and what do you think about um, how important that is when you're, uh, for example, you're getting this product, it's the, it's one package up, but you get this, is it worth it? What do you think about it? Personally, I think it would be worth it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not into the, I, I don't, I mean, licensing wise, it might not be <laughs> because I don't know what the price is, but I know right. the application, I mean, the whole structure and doing application portfolio management is a good thing. Um, right. yeah. If you do it in the tool and you use their tool, that's awesome. And it'll help you guide your along. If you're not doing it in the tool, you should be doing it somewhere. Just yeah. doing your application management is a good thing. Right. 
exactly. You know, I, I will say, so the way I look at this, and, and this is this just me, and maybe it's the, I don't know, you guys can tell me whether you think this is the right, right-headed or the wrong-headed on this. Um, but when I look at this, I, I look at all the other parts of it, idea demand, uh, you've got your, your individual contributor down all the way through your project, which has all of your, your worker bees and your management, everything is, is getting those projects done. What I see as far as application portfolio management, I see that for your leadership. This is the, the best tools, in my opinion, for your leadership to get good sight uh, into your application, uh, in, into your applications and managing them. And I think Randy said it earlier, we've seen way too many places that that don't have good control over their applications. They have and uh, duplicate they they built custom applications on old framework that, that that they're still using but yet there's another tool that does the same thing there's they have five other tools that do the same thing and they don't use that it seems like um because it, it's out of sight out of mind but let's put them back in their site and it can save a ton of money this is a in my opinion this is a cost-saving application, not, and, and that's just how I look at it. It can what be you if mean? you do it right, yes. Um, it is a good site for the business to see, and business being all the leaders across the business, not just IT. Right. Um, I've also seen where if you're doing your application management right, and uh, one good place I saw, I, I've seen it or heard of it working, I've seen it working too, is where Companies are buying other companies, um, like um, I don't know. They're buying other companies that already have software doing it, but they don't think about it when they buy it. Well, if they go in and they do their application management and find out, hey, you have this uh, purchasing tool that was like a mom and pop kind of purchasing tool. Yeah, we have PeopleSoft. Um, I think we can get rid of the mom and pop one and we can put you on PeopleSoft and, you know, yeah, we have to add some licenses, but it's still cheaper in the long run. Or, you know, in the long run, we're all running on the same system. So that's that's kind of where the application management really helps is to evaluate that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it, and it compares the, the functionality in in, in the applications that yep. allows you to make those business decisions as well as um, you can, and by doing that, you can see if you've got duplicates that you can reduce cost, but you also need to make sure you have the right tool for the job. And that's another thing uh, that helps. It helps you evaluate the, you know, the usage and, and, and how much it's being used. So you may have an app that you think is being used a lot. You get it in the system and you have one user that hits it every once in a while and it costs you $100,000, which is not very much a year uh, or a million dollars a year. And all of a sudden you're, you're saving money by going, you know, we're just going to cut that and, <laughs> and we're going to put it over here because it's one person we and we're not going to spend $100,000 for one person, right? So Right. Um some of the cool things about doing application portfolio management, um, opposed to just doing application in CMDB, is you have your application portfolio management in there. You have your application. If it was scanned from a network or if you put it in your CMDB, you can also have it here. You have who owns it 
in your company. You can also who who the vendor is, your contract end date, your uh, you could even have your contract in there. You can see who uses it. You could put a roadmap on there, that kind of stuff. Uh, when ideas are put in from that innovation that we were talking about, they can get tied to a portfolio so you can see all the ideas that were put in. Right. Uh, that kind of stuff. So a lot of it is being able to see when your contract is about to end. And you could have ServiceNow, well, I say a lot of it. Uh, you can have ServiceNow notify the owner and say, hey, this is going to end in 60 days. You might want to make sure you're updating or whatever. Uh, you can also do your emergency tiering, your business capacity, uh, criticality, all that kind of stuff in one place. And that is really nice. Right, right, exactly. I kind of rambled on that. Sorry. No, no, you're good. All right. I think we've, I think we've covered ITBM. So you, you I think so. Give it a basic understanding. So let's, I'm going to move on here to uh, a question that was asked, and it's only one question, but uh, I thought we would kind of answer it here. So, okay. Um, and, and, this, and I get this a lot. So just bear with us here, but it's, do you need a developer with specialized training to manage ServiceNow's day-to-day uh, roles, workflow, et cetera, or is ServiceNow slow-code enough where uh, an IT person or a director can manage, or an IT pro such as a director or a manager could manage it? I have, uh, I have a couple things I want to say. If your director... It's spending his time building workflows. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, I would suggest in that case, you need to get an admin for the system and let them do it so you can focus on your director position. But um, it, uh, my answer usually is it depends on how, uh, how in-depth you want to use the tool. Because, yes, there is some no-code and low-code kind of things to do, but that also limits what you can do in ServiceNow. Right. Um, well, and, I, and I think most of the day-to-day stuff can be managed by an admin. Um, yes. Workflow catalog items. Most of that doesn't need a, a highly skilled developer. Um, it does help because somebody that has those development skills understands um, the thought processes behind what is best for the tool. Well, and I can't tell you how many times I've started like a, a, a what should be a really fairly easy, fairly quick request <laughs> a catalog, and all of a sudden I'm building a custom up. application. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's yeah. Center. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have worked with um, several teams over the years, and I've had teams where we were all kind of understood the code and had kind of a, a slight development background or we knew how to do scripting, that kind of stuff. And I've also worked on teams where uh, one person knew the scripting side, but the other person was just a day-to-day admin, but still did catalog and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but understood or had a simple fundamentals of scripting. So they knew that it had to go a certain way and they could, you know, look at some code and figure out how that worked. Um, I've also worked with people that didn't know what they were doing and, you know, made scripts global and all kinds of stuff that brought things down. So it it can be 
no code, low code, but you got to be careful what you're doing. If you don't understand it, don't mess with it. Um, but I would personally, I would always suggest that you need to have at least one admin focused on it with some capabilities of knowing some of that stuff. And once it gets complex, that's where you either have a in-house developer or script master or whatever you want to call them, or, uh, you have prepaid hours or you have a contract contract. That's what I I was going because I I think it's important to have that admin on the day to day. You have to have somebody that knows the system, but on the things that you need development, you have two choices. You can either hire a developer, which costs significant amount of money, or you can hire somebody that is an external company that can come in and do staff augmentation, whether it's 10 hours or 20 hours or 50 hours a week or 50 hours a month or whatever that is in order to fill that gap. Because if you're not, if you're a smaller organization and you are not needing a full-time developer, um, it, I, that's what I would do. I would hire an admin and that money you save hiring an admin, I would hire a, a, somebody like Sharpstone to come in and, and do the development side for you. Um, and I think you'd be better off money-wise. Uh, but what I see people, how I see people will mess up is they say, well, I've got three guys over here that are in front-end web development, and they're really smart people. So we're going to say that we're just going to put them in charge of doing the development on service now. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? So don't do that. Um, and and Yes, ServiceNow is all you know a, a JavaScript-based platform. I mean, there most everything scripting-wise is JavaScript, but not everything. You also have Jelly and anyway Glide. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's uh, not a pure JavaScript. No, it's not. That, that's, it, 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 it's got that's its problem, own right? compiler, its own interpreter. Yeah, um, and so it does things to your JavaScript that you sometimes don't intend. So right. you, when, you, when you take a front-end developer and bring them into service now, there's an unlearning curve almost that yes. you have to go through in order to... to <laughs> no, you can't speed. do that that kind of command in service now. It won't right. like it. Or, or the element ID. It, the first time you do a get element and it locks everything up and you can't... <laughs> And you can't do anything. You got to shut down. You got to, you know, like nothing yeah. you can. Yep. And ServiceNow expects you to extend the tools that it and rules that it already has in place. Right. Um, and so what, and what a lot of times when you bring a front-end developer in, they're used to writing all of that themselves. Right. Yeah. I would, if, if it was me and you had somebody in internally that you think, oh, man, this guy is, is crazy good, and I don't have enough work for him, uh, which seems to never happen, uh, but I don't have enough work for this guy. I'm going to put him on service now. You, you need to spend some money and you need to send him to training. Yeah. Um, and, and not, and, and then on top of that, have him do the free stuff. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that you can do in service uh, or uh, in the, uh, the portal or the service now portal, yeah. uh, the development one uh, in order to brush up on those specific skills that service now allows. Now it, Again, 
I can't tell you how many times that I've trained somebody that was at a development background and he was frustrated all the time and he ended up custom building everything. And, and what I mean by that is they're often doing four levels of scripting because they think they have to build everything when all they needed to do is a simple, you know, glide they record. Or, yeah, they needed to call one of the internal right. functions. So yeah. it, it, these are the reasons. And so they may, he might have spent, you know, 200 hours building this beautiful thing that he thinks is as amazing, but could have been built in five hours of with a actual service now professional developer. I would say that going back to the original question that if, if a company is considering seriously letting their manager or their director do the admin, it would be advantageous just to get hours for admin work too, rather than yes. trying to saddle the director or manager with that. Cause I, I mean, that, that's just going to pull them away from things that they need to be focusing on. Um, right. And then for internal training, you know, I, I'll shamelessly plug my company, Sharpstone. Um, you know, one of the things we offer is come alongside you. We'll help do the work, but we'll train you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. you know, we'll work ourselves out of a job basically by teaching your people how to, you know, how to, how to come up to speed and how to avoid some of those pitfalls and stuff like that. That's what I was about to say is I was going to throw a third option in there to your first two was get a, a an admin developer, but also get the external uh, company to come in and, help uh, implement things or, you know, help them out, but also show them the ropes kind of thing. Like Randy was just saying. And and that's really the best thing. I mean, you get, you get a team like this. Um, We have, Oh gosh, together more experience than I can count. So I I don't even know, Brent, you're like 50 now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh wait. Yeah. Uh, And it feels like, 50 for me, uh, but we have uh, we have a lot of years experience, both Brent and myself and Justin and Randy, that you can take advantage of learning from, and it, and it goes back to, you know, kind of interestingly enough, it goes back to, um, do you want to make the mistakes or do you want to learn from our mistakes? Right. Um, and so, because... <laughs> I've brought down systems early on, <laughs> right? So, uh, so it's very important to learn from other people's mistakes. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have ha- have good mentors in my past to help me with some of those. But uh, I, I really hope that you know, uh, if you guys do need help, reach out to us. Um, you know, we're you can send us a LinkedIn message. Uh, we can come by your office and talk about what you need. Uh, and, th- and that is a really great thing. And it's not, we're not, we're not going to charge you to talk to you. So if you just want to talk about, you know, what may be the best for your organization, which way to go and what you're thinking, uh, we are very willing to, to, to come and do that. So kind of turned into a plug yeah <laughs> did. i'm sorry i didn't mean it to I was gonna say one of the feedback that we got uh was asking about if we had like a slack channel or something like that and i mean that's a good idea i think if uh if there's a lot of interest in that let's let us know and i think that we'd be happy to do some q a just from that every once in a while too yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely and, and we'd love to uh 
uh, as far as for the podcast, we would love to, you know, have some problems or some questions or some things that we could work through with you um, as well, just as a teaching, uh, you know, general teaching moment. One of the things we love to do is share information. Yeah. And help others. Well, and it, and it can be as simple as, hey, how do I load this data? Or it doesn't have to be, you know, super high level complicated. It's, it's whatever you need. Just ask us and, and we can help you. So. Yeah. And, you know, let's say 99.9% of the time, there's no stupid questions. Well, that's true. I'm the, I'm the 0.1%, aren't I? I was going to say, there are some, <laughs> but most of the time, there's no stupid questions. <laughs> And none too simple. I mean, if if, yeah. if you're just getting into the into the game, ask a ask us a question. We can help you. Yeah, I'll so. say there's no stupid, legitimate questions. There's some smart <laughs> hey. ones that we won't answer. But. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like who gave you a mic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's true. I always keep wondering that. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Randy, for sponsoring us. Uh, because otherwise, nobody would ever hear my voice. It would just be Jason and I talking to each other. That's true. <laughs> that's true. It would be. Yeah, it'd be just us talking. Now we get to torture a lot of people. Yes, that's right. That's right. We get to, yeah, exactly. So uh, I wanted to go into a little quick, uh, quick tips. Uh, it's something we're going to do at the end of each podcast. Little, little quick tips. Um, what, tips. Are, what, are, what do you guys have? Do you have any quick tips? Okay, I have a really quick tip, uh, just okay. because it took a while to figure out that nobody in my system complained about until 10 weeks later out of the box safe has no notification set up. So if you're going to be doing safe agile uh, or scaled agile, uh, you might look at the notification and go, Hey, wait, would people want to know when a story is assigned to them or <laughs> when a feature is assigned to something or opened up or whatever. So, just something you might want to keep in mind and, and look at. Check out your notifications when you go to yeah. deploy something new. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't have uh, necessarily anything ready that is related to ITBM, but I will tell you something that keeps coming up over and over and over are variable sets. Um, and and my, my tip on that is when, when you have a variable set, keep the variable set simple. Uh, make sure it has the basic information on, on, on a large bulk of them. Don't do a one-to-one relationship. You, uh, you don't need one variable set for a, every form. Uh, if you're doing that, that's not what it's for. Uh, so my, my tip is if you do make sure and do uh, one variable set with a specific uh, type of container, whether it's single or double, you can't mix them. So, um, but I recommend you do it on every form that you have, whether uh, because it makes the coding side a lot easier if you're trying to get information. Yeah. My, mine is probably rudimentary, but I would say, uh, and again, not strictly related to ITBM, but um, set up a naming convention for your update set and for your variables and stuff like that and follow it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. That makes simpler. Makes sense. Yeah. Simple. It, 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 we all know that you're probably not going to do the right documentation. So at least, at least name things in such a way that you can reconstruct. <laughs> Yes, and you can have a, a 
uh, just to add to yours real quick, uh, you can have the name, but use your description in your update sets also. Yes. Because yeah. that really helps. <laughs> right, right. Hey, I do have a question. Have you guys used team development at all? I haven't. No. Well, I've used team development a little bit uh, in the past to just kind of um, looking at it uh, as, a, as a part of it. But um, uh, one of the organizations I'm, I, I actually have had the, the benefit of, of working with, they use it uh, explicitly. And the one nice thing about it is it forces you to do everything correctly. And it, I didn't realize it was as powerful as it is. So if you get a chance, if you're doing the IT, you know, ITBM and you're, you're doing all this other stuff, agile development, we have the team development because it's, it's interesting because you will actually promote your, your updates um, to a, a separate test site and then they get approved. There's an approval process, uh, a code review. Uh, so you have your, your higher end developer being able to approve those things. And so you can have the flexibility of taking and those admins that you're talking about and have them do more because it's all being reviewed. And that's, that, that's a really good thing. I don't need anybody to review my crap. Yeah. I mean, my because stuff. you're, because you're the guy who should be reviewing everybody else. You can't tell <laughs> okay. me you can't need to review like any stuff. I don't let Justin review my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that person, no, but a few others, maybe. That's true, yeah. I mean, there's got to be people on your team who are like, yeah, I need to check their stuff. <laughs> right now, there's just two of us on our team, and one of us is an admin. The other one is me. But let me ask you a question. Are you overloaded? Do you have too much work? Uh, yes, I am. What if you could bring a couple of people in, teach them to do some of the lower level admin stuff, and then review their stuff in, in that kind of a process? That'd be so great. You're actually letting them kind of a little bit further to do more, but it's still very controlled. What do you think? Yep. I mean, that would work for that kind of stuff, yes. Yeah. So. so. Awesome. All right. Nice. Thank that. you for joining us. We have, we have wasted way too much of your time already. We haven't wasted anybody's <laughs> time, Jason. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. It's all beneficial. We're you value. That's the whole point of this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we really do appreciate you, you, you jumping on here with us and, and listening. And if there's any questions, don't forget, hit us up on LinkedIn. Uh, we really enjoy doing these podcasts, as you can tell. They are a lot of fun. Um, and so, thank you again. Like, share, put it out there. We want to get as much exposure as we can. We need your help. So if you like it, like it, and go ahead and share it, because shares are more important than likes for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, the primary purpose of this is to bring value. So, Seriously, if there's a question that you want us to discuss, a topic you want us to discuss, we want to talk about what you're, what you're thinking about, what you need to hear. So let us know. Yes. Yep. yep. All right, guys. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Fun as always. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your ServiceNow needs. 
implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at sharpstonegroup.com or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.